Good afternoon and uh, welcome to this episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. I am Constitutional Catherine and this is Liberty Lori. <laughs> uh, as uh, I think Mike so lovingly named her last week. Uh, oh, there's my reminder that we uh, have a show to go live on right now. Uh, <laughs> we are trying some new, <coughs> excuse me, trying some new lighting and things in here today. And I actually think I look blue, so not sure what's that about. So hopefully you could still see and hear me just fine today. But if not, I apologize. We'll assess and reevaluate after the show. Um, so as most or perhaps all of you may know, um, we have a specific topic that we like to cover every single week that is you know, we like to cover something relevant, something that's important, something that is impacting your freedom. And our government has been overstepping its bounds, has been acting without proper authority in so many areas for so many years. And we, the people, have just become accustomed to it. We um, stopped reading the Constitution ourselves. We started believing whatever the government told us to do or judges and lawyers told us was appropriate. And we really stopped questioning what our government is doing. And quite frankly, we stopped even acknowledging or recognizing or sometimes even knowing the fact that the government works for us, that the government does not have its own set of sovereign authority over us, but rather it's the other way around. So, uh, with that in mind, today's topic is uh, regarding fences and ground covering in the context of ordinances and HOA rules. Now, I've actually had questions that fall into this category um, submitted to me or, or uh, shared with me, asked of me many times in my whole career, but certainly even since all the COVID stuff started and, and people really started questioning government actions and government authority, I've had tons of people asking me different questions about this. Now, uh, for, the, for the sake of, you know, the, the, the time that we have here is limited and I try to make these episodes about an hour, um, we don't have the time to open the discussion up to, um, topics relating to ordinances for um, political signs or business signs or um, you know home uh, construction or whatever parking lots all kinds of other things because there are many other different aspects that would be involved there now in general the same basic principles would apply and we will probably eventually do other episodes specifically about those topics but um, today is very narrowly focused on uh, HOAs and their rules and ordinances uh, from municipalities regarding fences and ground covering. And it's going to help us by narrowly focusing, it's going to help us to really take that look and apply some common sense in our discussion, which is something government, quite frankly, doesn't do anymore. So um, with that being said, 
Um, good afternoon to the Liberty Cause, who's joining us on YouTube. And uh, thank you to all of, uh, all of you who are joining us on Facebook, YouTube, Rumble. Um, I guess that's all we're doing live right now. Uh, and we will be seeing you uh, in a playback version on other social media afterwards. Um, okay, so the first thing I want to do is uh, well, I suppose pull up the screen that shares the little slideshow. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so actually, that's a good question. Um, even though it was made in jest, I'll get to that in just a second. But uh, wait, Lori, hold on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I realized when you said that. <laughs> Um, so I realized that I was being neglectful of the fact that I actually prepared written words to share. So you don't just have to stare at my hair that decides to do whatever it wants on any given day. Um, maybe you need so, a hat too. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say, or, um, that you'd have to stare at Lori's hat because she is just being so discriminatory against all of the other amendments instead <laughs> just advertising for yeah but it's much easier to protect those other amendments with this <laughs> true and that will be the source of many videos coming up trust me but um okay so um let's get going here my brain stalled out so the first thing i want to do this week in our topic is you know, we're going to be talking about our fences and ground covering ordinances and HOA rules. Are they constitutional? Um, well, I've had some questions uh, brought to me in, in a variety of aspects, uh, different contexts, but basically um, the, the proposition um, put forth to me that ordinances and HOA rules are just never enforceable ever. So I wanna clear up something here with that. First of all, they would be treated differently and we'll discuss, well, actually we could discuss that right now. Ordinances are something that are done uh, by a by the government, right? By, by your municipal, it's your county or your um, city or village um, township government. And essentially that is, it's, it's part of that contract that you have with them, but, but um, really um, it is a, a law that's made at a local level. That is different from HOA rules because HOAs are private in um, nature and you know they have their own you know, rules and regulations um, in addition to whatever local ordinances there might be. But um, generally speaking, you know, people like to think of, well, HOA rules, you know, that's those aren't laws, so that's not enforceable. But for HOAs, if you have uh, decided to purchase a particular property in an area that uh, has an HOA on record and it comes up as part of the, you know, um, title search and all that, when you buy a property, you are put on notice. And this is, I guess, real estate 101. You are put on notice. It's called record notice of any kinds of things that are recordable um, 
actions against uh, a full full out ownership of a property. So for example, we kind of talked about that bundle of sticks, I think it was last week, but you have, um, you might have easements over a property. Maybe um, a cell phone company has an easement or a power company or, you know, the, the township or municipality for, you know, water or sewer services. Um, you might have um, an ingress and egress type of easement, or maybe you have somebody's property that is located behind yours and the highway, your, your property is between their property and the highway and they have no other way to get to their, um, their property. Um, you know, there, there would be easements of necessity or um, convenience. At any rate, um, easements are, you're put on record notice of those when they're properly recorded and are something that would pull up in a title search or title opinion when you go to purchase a home and you have somebody do the title work. Uh, when I was in Minnesota and in Michigan, I just researched for myself the, the full title history all the way back for every property I ever bought because I didn't trust title companies. And actually in Minnesota, only attorneys can be uh, can do the title work, <clears throat> whereas in Michigan, non-attorneys can do all that kind of research and um, supposedly uh, can tell you you're getting a conveyance of clear title, but that doesn't always happen. Anyway, I might have... Um... I might throw you off a little bit, but is a seller required to tell a potential buyer that there is an HOA or is it up to the buyer to research? Well, I don't have the specifics for each jurisdiction because there might technically be some sort of legal requirement on the books about that. But in general, in our system of government, in our society, in the way that we function together, uh, we have uh, more of like a caveat emptor, a buyer beware, that you are not responsible for other people. Um, just the same as, you know, if you sell a car and, um, you know, or you sell a boat and somebody buys it uh, sight unseen and they don't even take it in the water or something, and then they, they buy it and they bring it to the lake and then it sinks, you know, it, unless there's something special of some sort of uh, warranties or guarantees made in the sale, uh, it's a buyer beware. They should have done their homework before they decided to buy the boat from you. Well, in that sense, there's also um, in general that kind of concept with property. Um, and that's why there's different kinds of deeds. For example, a quit claim deed, somebody is saying, um, I'm giving you whatever kind of property or ownership I have in this property, but there are no guarantees that I actually do own anything. Um, and, um, you know, that's different from like a general warranty deed where somebody's, you know, there's a deed with warranties and there's, I want to say there's six of them. It's been way too long, but essentially it goes to the fact that they're saying they have good and clear title uh, apart from any easements of record that will come up in a title search. So um, at any rate, as far as letting people know, I, I don't even think that's, I don't think there's a requirement to do that. Um, but at any rate, it's something that you would want to do your homework about. You know, when I was purchasing properties, I always made sure that my home was not, uh, my proposed home was not going to be in anywhere that's covered by an HOA because it might start somewhere small or, you know, um, 
that there's, you know, not much going on with it or that the dues are little or that the rules are few, but that can always change. So um, I've always made sure to do my homework in that sense. But if you purchase a home and there's HOA rules and regulations involved or, or purchase a property, I should say, um, and that was recorded, just like an easement that was recorded or something of that nature, then, um, or, you know, a land contract or in Minnesota, it's called a contract for deed, you know, where somebody um, has already sold essentially part of the ownership interest in that property. Uh, you're, you're put on notice, record notice of all those things that would be recorded. A lien would be another example of where that property is not owned free and clear uh, at this point that somebody could just turn around and convey to you. So um, an HOA would be one of those. And um, let me see here. So it does have to be something that's, uh, and that's where this is going to come into play. So the Liberty Cause on YouTube is uh, saying, well, what about HOAs that only exist in, in a person's head? Well, that is interesting because um, he, he's actually referencing something that is currently happening uh, here in Florida where there's um, an individual who owns a lot of property in a certain neighborhood and it at once was owned by one company and it had a shared purpose and et cetera. But uh, that was in the 1940s and things have changed and there's no HOA now. In fact, my husband and I have often wondered, well, who's maintaining the signs of our neighborhood? Because there is no HOA. There's no HOA dues. There's no HOA meetings. There's, you know, no HOA body, uh, governing body. So at any rate, um, it does have to be something that is uh, actually legitimately legally put into place um, before you would be bound by any of the rules that are being implemented by it. Um, uh, um, there's more. Huh. Okay. So. Um, I'll just read uh, or share his comment instead of reading it out loud, just for those of you who might want to follow up um, on that line of thinking. Um, so at any rate, HOA rules and regulations, if you bought a home uh, in a community where it, it says clear, you know, very clearly it's an enforceable contract. I mean, they can't do all kinds of crazy things, but, you know, I could see where you could buy, uh, buy a home in a community where... <clears throat> where the um the regulations say well you can't have more than one store i'm not talking about ordinances we're going to pretend there's no ordinances just for ease of example here um you can um, only have buildings that are one story uh you have to have you know all the buildings must maintain um you know the same color and appearance uh they have to have the same kind of you know, roof covering and, you know, no, no additional outbuildings can be built and, and, you know, we don't do privacy fences or whatever. I'm thinking of a neighboring community in my, um, in my neighborhood that uh, is an HOA. And it, I believe many, many years ago, it was originally part of, of, you know, the same thing uh, as mine, same community as mine. But anyway, they literally, I mean, every single roof looks the same. Every single, uh, you know, all the walls are painted the same color. And, you know, you don't have additional um, 
outbuildings and I'm fairly confident that none of them I've ever seen have fences uh, or things like privacy fences or things of that nature. Um, that's something that if you want to buy into an area where it's always going to look the same, you're choosing to do that. I mean, that's something I would think is obvious. Um, but let's let's um, let's bring in Lori. Lori, uh, what are your thoughts about that? Is that if you go into if you're driving around this neighborhood and you really like this house that's for sale and you see that they all look the same, they have the same driveway, they have the same roof line, they have the same color. Is that going to be kind of one of those common sense things where you're going to think, I wonder if there's an HOA here that's requiring them to be the same? Yeah. And, and for me personally, though, in, in at least bigger towns, I would, in cities, I would think, you know, definitely check on that. Um, especially if, if the neighborhood as a whole is consistent, even not just the same color, but the lawn maintenance is consistent, consistent, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it'd be kind of hard to tell. And when you're new into it, you don't necessarily know what to look for. But if you have the mindset that it is up to you to find everything out about the property you're interested in, you really, at that point, can't go wrong. But yeah, that would be a, a very logical thought of, hey, these all have white picket fences. <laughs> Every single one of them, we better <laughs> look right. into that or whatever. So, so basically, the outward appearance would give you a clue as well as just if you drive into a neighborhood and there is a sign then you're going to wonder what that sign's all about and you know where it came from and if there if that is the cause of you know having an hoa um like i said um in my neighborhood the community was created many many years ago like 80 years ago almost and so signage isn't indicative of you know, some new development that was made and, you know, started as an HOA and so has this signage, uh, but rather just um, more of the historical perspective of, of the community. So at any rate, um, okay, so we're going to go back to our beautiful slides here. So ordinances, oh yeah, I guess I'll back up and, and talk about that for a second. So ordinances are local laws. Now we had a whole episode, honestly, I don't remember which episode it was, but I think it was kind of early on, maybe a month or two into doing these, where we talked about laws. And uh, hello to Dragonfly1 on YouTube. Thanks for joining us. Um, we did a whole episode on what laws are and what laws are not. So for example, ordinances are local laws, but resolutions, uh, but for rare exceptions and types of applicability, are not laws, but resolutions are. That is your, you know, you have federal statutes, you have state statutes, and then you have local statutes, which are never called statutes, they're called local ordinances. So those are generally enforceable, but whether it's a federal statute, uh, a state statute, or a local ordinance or county ordinance, all of those have to be constitutional. I'm trying not to skip too far ahead here. Um, so now let's get to some of the the specifics here. So when you talk about uh, uh, having ordinances on fences or ground covering, like whether you have grass or turf or pavers or concrete or whatever, um, 
there's often uh, we've seen ordinances on the type that you can have um, on the style that you can have. So, for example, with a fence, there might be an ordinance uh, against chain link fences, but um, wood fences would be allowed or there might be an ordinance that says, you know, uh, vinyl fences are allowed, but no wood for whatever reason. Um, that would be the, the regulations on type. Now, style, um, there, I mean, if they really want to get, get into it, uh, there could be um, ordinances on whether your, um, your fence has some sort of particular architectural style. Uh, does it go with the, the other homes in the neighborhood? Does it, you know, is it a certain color? Is it a, um, a certain, you know, shape or does it have, posts with caps or all that kind of stuff. That's going to be the style. That's seriously micromanaging, but there definitely are communities that try to do that. Um, well, the other thing is uh, in relation to size. Sometimes you have communities that set um, um, ordinances about, you know, fences uh, in relation to size. They can't, you know, they can only be three feet tall in these areas or six feet tall in these areas. Or if you live on a corner, then you have to have this or that. So, you know, sometimes they make sense. Um, if you live on a corner or have, you know, whatever, any kind of property on a corner uh, and there's there's an intersection there, they don't want you to build a six foot, uh, six foot tall privacy fence all the way to the corner because then people that are approaching the intersection are not going to be able to to see uh, any oncoming traffic, uh, regardless of who has the right of way, they wouldn't be able to see oncoming traffic before they were literally in the intersection. And that would be um, a significant impairment to the, you know, people being able to move around. So, you know, something like that makes sense. But other than that, I'm not sure really why. Um, perhaps if there's some sort of aerial easement, if you have power lines going over your property or, you know, something of that nature, you might have to, um, limit, you know, the height of, of say a fence. Um, but let's use common sense on that. What, well, and let's back up to the type. What common sense would it make to regulate the type to say you can use chain link or you can't, you can use wood or you can't, you can use white vinyl or PVC or you can't. Um, I can't think of any other brick. You can have a fence made of brick. Now, what, what common sense would it make other than you just a certain person's opinion that it look a certain way? Um, there, there is no, it's not going to, uh, well, I'm going to get a little bit too, um, um, too far into this. Well, anyway, I'm, uh, that's right. This is where I'm just kind of telling you what some of the things are that we're going to be covering. So um, you have, you know, the rules on the type, you might have rules or regulations trying to, to control the style that you are using. And this could be for ground cover too. Uh, you can have pavers of this kind, but not of this kind. Uh, or you can have turf, but you can't have this kind of grass. Or if you have to have real grass, but whatever. Um, and then setbacks. That's the distance from your property line back in towards the center of the property. Uh, what is the setback? Is there a setback for a fence? Is there a setback for... Um, you know, any buildings, is there a setback for um, any ground covering? I honestly had never heard of setbacks for ground covering 
even though I've served on several boards in municipal government, and that includes being a township trustee for one of the largest townships in the state of Michigan, I have never heard of um, of ordinances about ground covering and, and setbacks with regard to, oh, well, you can't have pavers only a certain foot away from your, it's, anyway, that's the kind of thing we're talking about though. So if you think, what is she talking about? Does that even make sense? Yes, it can. What about permits? Now, here's another big thing that people have really asked me about in this context is, can these municipalities require you to get permits and have mandatory inspections of any of these things. Of just And again, we're keeping it simple, putting in a fence or laying down pavers or sod. Can they require you to get a permit for that and then require fees and inspections, et cetera? I mean, that's insane in my mind. So let's kind of look at where this is going. Okay, so the... Um, the big picture today, we asked uh, on our website and our social media channels, um, this is true or false, okay? Local governments can make whatever ordinances for fences and ground coverings they choose, including requiring permits with fees and inspections prior to allowing homeowners to install fencing or ground covering. Um, okay, and we have a question here let me see i'm going to back out of this a little bit okay we have a question do ordinances only apply to residents it depends on what kind of ordinance that you have um but for example if you have an ordinance that is um oh like regarding using a particular um parking lot maybe there's an ordinance that says you know this is free public parking during, you know, evenings and weekends, but otherwise it's, you know, for use by the county buildings or whatever. And it's part of their, you know, it might be in a, a dense downtown area where uh, you have um, a bunch of, you know, municipal buildings that um, parking is scarce for. So then otherwise it's like, well, okay, you can only use that when you're utilizing one of these um, buildings, you know, the federal courthouse or the city, um, you know, city hall or something like that. So you could have something and that would apply to residents or non-residents alike, right? Because it's all about um, the access to the parking. It's not about where, you know, who lives there. Um, but there, I'm sure would be um, ordinances that would apply only to residents. Uh, I just can't think of what that would be. It just, does it make sense? And then we can go from there. Okay. So, um, yeah, there's, um, a, um, yeah. So I'll just share this comment here. No one can force you into a contract, much less having to ask permission of the King for work on your own home. So it's interesting to think about that. Um, so we're going to go to the basics. And this is something we covered before, uh, something we'll probably keep hammering on. But we have to start this conversation with understanding that governments are instituted to protect our God-given rights. So we get our rights from God. 
not the government. If we have the right to have our own property, that's a right that's inherent in us being here in existence. And God gave us that right. The government didn't give us the right to have property. The government doesn't start owning property, um, owning everything, and then doles out to certain people certain types of property. That's not how it works. Government has no rights, absolutely not a single right. For those of you who are huge states' rights fans, I urge you to please reread the 10th Amendment to the United States Constitution because the word rights is not in there. And government has only those powers which we delegate to it. So that's inherent in the um, Article 4, Section 4 of our United States Constitution, a Republican form of government. Uh, that's inherent in um, the um, uh, 10th Amendment that we just talked about. Sorry, my brain is going blank. Um, and a whole bunch of other places, but that's just the basics that we're going to recap. So what it means is that the government cannot act unless there is a specific power granted by the Constitution, where we, the people who have the sovereign power, government doesn't have sovereign power, we do. So where we granted a specific, you know, delegated a specific power to that particular, you know, to the state government, to the federal government, um, to a municipal government. Government is then prohibited from doing anything that violates the U.S. or state constitutions. Government cannot violate the constitutions. Well, there's a supremacy clause that the U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land and Nothing else can uh, stand in violation of the Constitution. And every government official is sworn to the oath to uphold the Constitution. Now, where do we get this from? Well, oh, no. Something happened. I think, no, this is the right side. That I don't know what I did here. Um, Give me a second, guys. I am going to check on what I did because I had some other information. Okay, I just put it um, only in one spot instead of two. But um, there is a constitutional oath of office where those people that are in those positions are required to take an oath. Now, we've talked a lot about um, Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution and um, Article 11, Section 1 of the Michigan Constitution. I've also hammered on MCL, which is for the Michigan laws, um, 15.151, but, and, and there's many other places as well, but I also want you to take a look at, if you're um, in Florida or have any kind of interest in Florida, I want you to take a look at um, Florida Statute 112.311. And this is interesting, and, and I just, I, it's the whole show today is not about oaths, but when a government official, like an enforcement clerk or a neighborhood enforcement officer or whomever is going to try to come out to your property to enforce something, they have to enforce a regulation that is constitutional because they lack the authority to go beyond those bounds. And they are in, in fact prohibited from violating the constitution because they have a duty to follow it and uphold it and support it. But I found this interesting in Florida state law that it is declared to be the policy of the state that public officers and employees
state and local are agents of the people and hold their positions for the benefit of the public. They are bound to uphold the Constitution of the United States and the state constitution. So, and promoting the public interest and maintaining the respect of the people in their government must be of the foremost concern when doing their duties. That is some powerful language and it's something that we shouldn't be um, ignoring. So, okay. And in a sense, um, <clears throat> this is the recap from the Liberty Cause of what we were just talking about. So a homeowner's rights, what, what could be possibly implicated by, um, you know, rules on um, the type or style or size or whether there's setbacks for fences or ground covering um, or having, you know, to apply for a permit and have your, um, you know, your plans inspected and, and your property inspected in order to, to do any of these things to your own property. What are some homeowners rights that might be involved? Well, equal protection. For example, if you have uh, a municipality that is notified of code violations and chooses not to get involved or pursue or do anything to stop that, and there's actually a party harmed in that process, then that's a problem in and of itself. But if the same municipality turns around and later wants to enforce their ordin ordinances and code um, uh, violations against um, one of those same parties and a party is yet again uh, on the raw end of the deal, there's there's a huge problem <clears throat> in and of itself because you can't say on the one hand, well, <clears throat> we're going to enforce these ordinances in, over, over here, but we're not going to do it over here where there's no legitimate reason whatsoever for not enforcing equally or, um, you know, with justice, I guess. Okay, so due process. Well, that's a huge one. I'm just gonna say, hey, you have the right to due process. In this sense, I wanna focus for a moment on really that procedural due process, that you have the right to all the proper procedures, the you know, the right of to have notice and opportunity to be heard, that you, you can't have your property taken away from you uh, or any of your rights diminished uh, without being able to go through proper um, steps and channels that make sense and um, are reasonable and appropriate. And so the Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and the 14th Amendment, um, but also if you're in Michigan, look at Article 1, Section 17. Now, what about privacy from government? Well, first of all, when you talk about fences or ground coverings, the obvious one is fences have everything to do with privacy. Privacy from government, privacy from nosy neighbors, privacy from you know the public or from nearby tourists or, or you know your ex-husband or whatever. Um, so it is essential that uh, we rec remember that there's a Fourth Amendment right of privacy from government. Um, against unreasonable searches and seizures, et cetera. And um, again, I, I have on the screen references to the U.S. Constitution and Michigan Constitution provisions, but uh, the Florida Constitution also has these provisions as well as, um, I think for all of these, every state would have these in their 
Uh, I haven't come across a state yet that does not have these um, in their constitutions. Um, okay, what about criminal trial rights? Well, why would that be relevant? Well, in some areas, uh, they've tried to make um, code violations or ordinance violations crimes. If you violate uh, this code, then you're guilty of a misdemeanor. Well, that would be that would absolutely trigger your criminal trial rights because um, that would be your denial of liberty, right? With a criminal case, you could be facing potential fines, you could be facing potential license removals or um, suspensions, denials, that kind of thing. You could be facing, um, you know, being kicked out of certain accommodations or living situations. You could be facing jail time. Uh, there's all kinds of things that come with um, the pursuit of criminal charges against somebody. But what about those unenumerated rights? So um, we have the, um, this is probably, probably my favorite, uh, but this goes to some of those beginning slides talking about where our rights come from. And we have unenumerated rights. We are not given our rights by the government. God gives us our rights. And we have, uh, we have inherent rights that we don't have to itemize in the Constitution. Just because something is not in the Constitution does not mean we don't have the right to it. So, for example, you have the right to breathe air, freely breathe air, that, that the government cannot stop you from freely breathing air. Who would have thought with any notion of common sense that despite any developing technology, that would ever be something that we needed to put in the Constitution so that everybody just understood it? We have that right, even though it's not enumerated in the Constitution. And the government's job is still to support and defend and protect those unenumerated rights as well. Uh, the Michigan State Constitution, Article 1, Section 23 is where you'll find those. The U.S. Constitution is the Ninth Amendment. Um, and uh, I know it's in the other state constitutions as well. I just don't have those off the top of my head. So um, a bill of attainder. I hope that there's not a ton of this regarding um, our very limited scope today, which is ordinance, um, you know, ordinances relating to fences or ground coverings and, you know, the rules and regulations thereof, but bills of attainder. So bills of attainder are basically where the governing body um, set, you know, basically sets out the parameters to say, you know, well, you're just guilty. You know, a specific class of people are just guilty. In fact, I want to see if they have something slightly more. Um, well, basically, um, I'll just I'll just tell you that on the law.cornell.edu website, they describe a bill of attainder as a piece of legislation that declares a party is guilty of a crime, um, and they allow the government to punish a party for a perceived crime without first going through the full trial process. Well, that had been happening a lot, and that's why our founders decided to add that in there multiple places. So I, what I find interesting is that um, we have rights specifically protecting us against these bills of attainder um, in Article 1, Section 9, Clause 3 of our U.S. Constitution and Article 10, Clause 1 um, of our, uh, sorry, Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1 of our U.S. Constitution back to back. I thought, wow, that, that was really important 
for them that they put it right in there, not even in, in an amendment, but in the, the article that's talking about the legislature's ability with Congress in that sense, Congress's ability to make any kind of laws or rules whatsoever, that they cannot make laws uh, that essentially treat people as guilty before they are proven guilty and have their rights under the due process requirements. So, um, okay. Well, and then the Michigan Constitution and other state constitutions have that as well. So let's kind of take a look at due process. And then in this context, you know, homeowner who wants to, um, you know, put up a fence or modify a fence on their property or put down some sort of ground covering. And I'm talking about basics, right? Things you would never in a million years think, oh my gosh, they're going to try to make a regulation about that. So pavers. Okay, you want to put pavers down on your own property and you want to put a privacy fence up. I'm not even talking about something dangerous. Okay, so let's 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 take that as an example. What if something is dangerous? What if you have um you know not just a barbed wire fence, but I mean think of the most crazy thing that's out there, right? It's it's got all sorts of sharp wires on it. It's got, it, 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 it's a flame throwing fence. It, um, it does whatever. Okay. Um, the fence itself can release your attack dogs. Uh, if certain things are happening, whatever. Okay. I mean, this, this is a fence that can be very dangerous in and of itself. Um, well, I could see where there could be regulations that if your fence is going to prohibit someone else from using their own property or their right to use, you know, public property, um, then that's going to be a problem, right? You and your exercise of, um, you know, rights regarding your own property, you cannot diminish the rights of other properties. So, for example, if I'm remodeling my house and I bought the, these building materials and Lori's my next door neighbor, I can't go to Lori's property and just say, well, she doesn't use this part of her property and I'll just throw all my garbage and construction debris back there in the back end of Lori's property. That would be a problem. <laughs> so um, that that's something that would make sense, right? Um, you also have, um, you know, as far as common sense regulations go, you would have, um, if there is a fence, or this could work for ground covering as well. If there's a fence or ground covering that, you know, you are planning to construct in a way that's going to change the, um, make, make a significant change to the slope or to um, the ground in such a way that all of a sudden your neighboring property is going to have a ton of runoff water on it in a way that it has not ever had before. But for you constructing this particular fence in this particular way or putting your pavers or other ground covering there, it's causing huge, you know, doing that is the sole cause of a neighboring property to now be destroyed by flooding every time there's a heavy rain or, um, you know, something else in, in, you know, the environment is, um, it's essentially not sharing its proportionate share of what uh, whatever uh, nature doles out and instead pushing that uh, disproportionately onto neighbors, if that makes sense. Um, with that being said, I think I'm going to touch base. Um, Lori, did I, 
um, until anybody else that's watching um, jumps in. Did that make sense? What I'm saying about uh, make sure you're that you unmute before you start answering. Um, did that make sense? What I'm saying about you know if we have um, a rule or an ordinance in place about that a fence or ground covering, pa putting pavers down or putting a privacy fence in, that it would make sense to have a regulation where you are changing how the runoff or rainwater works and you're then dumping a bunch of new water onto your neighbor's property that wouldn't have been there before. Well, yeah, it, it kind of goes in hand that you have the right to do anything as long as you aren't harming another person. And so the thought is, is be thoughtful when you're doing something, is that potentially going to harm your neighbor? And then if it does, then, then that's where, you know, the argument can come in that you did something wrong. And we're not talking about harm them in the sense that, cause, cause I've, I've heard this kind of argument before. So people that like uniformity, people that are snooty, that like things the certain way and they think things should be pretty and, you know, you can't dare devalue my property down the street because your home or your fence or your pavers or whatever looks bad. That's not what's going on. Um, if, if you have, um, you know, a fence put up and um, it's in good repair, so what if it's made of, you know, popsicle sticks or, um, but if it's made of wood or if it's made of chain link or if it's made of whatever, I mean, I, I personally hate chain link fences. I think they look tacky, but do I think that I should have the right to stop my next door neighbor from putting up a chain link fence? If that's what they think would be appropriate for their home or their situation? No, I can really hope that they don't. Maybe I'd uh, jump into some conversations about cost sharing of, of joint fence or something like that. My last neighborhood uh, that happened in with several neighbors that um, abutted side and backyards that several of the neighbors, when it was time to redo a fence, they said, hey, you know, um, we can go to this, you know, nice, whatever type white, white vinyl, tall privacy fence. Uh, you know, if you'd share in the cost, then, you know, you can do this, this and whatever tie into it. And, you know, so they, they worked out ways that they were able to share fences um, and the cost for that. And so it's all about conversation. Right. But um, I can't imagine going to any of my neighbors now or in the past and saying, oh, my gosh, you're thinking about putting up a chain link fence or you're thinking about putting up a wood fence, especially in Michigan. I don't know about your experience, but. My experience is any wood fence is going to look like garbage in a very short amount of time, primarily because it not only rains a lot, especially in West Michigan, it not only rains a, a ton, but there's snow and snow keeps, you know, moisture in the ground. And then anyway, snow sits on top of the fence, snow uh, sits at the bottom of the fence and it eats the fence from the top and the bottom and you'll see that in any house that's had a wood fence in Michigan uh, for quite some time. Um, okay, so let me see. Okay, you have a different. Um, okay, before we go to that, Lori, I'm going to hide that for a second. That's a good one. Don't let us forget about that question. Don't worry, be happy. We are going to come back to your questions in just a second. I just want to finish that train of thought. 
Um, so the Liberty Cause is pointing out um, there must be a legitimate governmental interest, not just enforcing someone's feelings or preferences. And that's exactly what we're talking about. If there's a common sense thing, so say pavers, if I have um, my last house, well, not my last house, like two houses ago, when we lived in Belding, Michigan, we had this um, beautiful house that was up like the whole neighborhood was built a certain way and all the houses were like, you know, they were close to the street with larger backyards and our property was over an acre. And our house was actually the last uh, in city limits. And then it switched to dirt road right from our house and went to um, township. Uh, but anyway, so we had a forest on the one side, a forest in the back side, and then our house also uh, had a hill, um, our property had a hill and they built the house way up towards the back. Now our backyard was still actually extremely large comparatively to some other neighborhoods, especially down here in Florida. Um, but the front yard then it was just huge. I mean, acreage of front yard with this massive driveway that comes up. So our house looked over top of all of the other homes in the neighborhood. If I had put, instead of having grass, we had a driveway and we had a turnaround, but if I had put in, instead of grass, this whole area where the Nemalas lived next door, if I had just paved that or put, you know, pavers in or done something even more decorative, but essentially took away the, the capacity of the ground to absorb uh, all the rain and the snow melt and runoff and everything else, then that was a huge property that then would have just been racing right towards the Nameless house and flooding their home and their whole yard every single time we had snow or rain or whatever. So that would make sense that I wouldn't be um, able to do that in that way. Now, if I had decided to do that, but I put in some sort of trench or drainage system so that any runoff stopped right there, and did not continue on to their property, problem solved. So it makes no sense to say, well, you just can't do pavers in that situation or whatever. But um, I know that some of the reasons if we're talking about setbacks, right? Well, it's one thing perhaps to require setbacks when you're building a structure, when you're building a house or garage or barn or something like that, perhaps, but we'll talk about that some other time. But just in the context of building uh, or, you know, putting ground cover on, what would the purpose of setbacks be? So generally speaking, it's going to be so that, you know, your, your water flow, especially in an area, you know, like Florida, where most of these properties are by and large flat pieces of land, it's not super hilly. We're not in the mountains. We're not having those big geographical changes, topographical from, uh, neighbor to neighbor where, you know, you could have a huge impact by and large. So what would the purpose of that be if you have essentially two properties that are same uh, elevation and one of them puts in pavers, why would one of them have to stop at five, seven, 10, whatever it is, feet away from that property line? I'm curious. Um, Lori, I've never mentioned something like this to you. Do you think there's any kind of logical idea or reason for that that jumps to your mind uh no not off the top i'm 
maybe if I thought about it. <laughs> and if any of you that are watching and have the ability to comment live, because I won't necessarily see it if you comment later, you can, but I just won't see it. Um, if you're watching live and you can comment on one of those platforms that we um, are seeing our live comments from, then um, please jump in and tell me if you can think of a reason why when it's a property that's fairly flat, why there'd be some sort of reason, or even if it's not flat, if you have any kind of, um, you know, reasonably expected uh, drainage issues solved with, um, you know, some trenching or, or um, you know, French drain system or something of that nature, why, why would there be required a setback to put pavers or whatever decorative stone or something on your own property um so far i'm not seeing anything so i'm all ears if anybody comes up with something but that's that common sense look that you have to have when thinking about something like that so um all right so in terms of you know again style honestly i cannot think of the life of me why style why would a municipality ever think that they can regulate the style of something? Oh, it has to be this color or this kind of shape or this whatever. That is insane. Now, I thought about, you know, in the context of, well, what about in certain um, protected or classified, um, I'm trying to think of some of the terminology they use in different states, um, historical districts, for example. It's not always historical, but that's one of the most common. Well, in a downtown, for example, you might have a historic district where, you know, no new buildings can be built, period. Or maybe um, all new buildings built have to have the same look as the rest of the buildings that were built in that same original era. Uh, that when you do any remodeling, you have to keep that look from that era. And I thought about that, and I don't think that there's really ever a legitimate reason why a government would jump in and say, you have to, we're declaring this area a historic district, which now means that all property has to be um, kept in this certain, um, you know, this certain look or this certain motif, right? So that's a problem now if you wanted to have some sort of hoa for for businesses or commercial properties or something of that a, a a historic district that's a private association and you you know all unanimously as owners vote to um create that association and and make some sort of rules and regulations so you have now the creation of, of essentially an hoa but for a different type of um uh, area that's mostly got businesses in it, then I guess, I guess, I mean, that's a private contract and, you know, you have the mutual benefit by, you know, every party to the contract is benefiting from they, they their perceived benefit is that, well, hey, we want all these neighboring businesses to have to look like us. You know, if you drive through the city of, um, Lori, correct me if I'm wrong, Gaylord, Michigan, it's going to have, um, what's it? Is it Dutch? I can't even think now. I'm losing my mind. Um, where they're all, all the businesses, even, oh, I don't know. There's like, um, 
oh my goodness, I am blanking on everything, but like a Bed Bath and Beyond and a, um, you know, like a Walmart or grocery store. They all have that certain design. Lori, you've been there, right? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, we're not hearing you, Lori. Oh, you're muted. I didn't see that was on. I'm worried a nephew will bark randomly, so I keep muting myself. Um, I don't remember. I was focused when I've been there. I've gone, was focused on going to the Iron Pig. <laughs> so I didn't necessarily pay attention to the, to the city itself. Um, oh, German and Swiss. Bavarian. Okay, thank yep, you, Dwayne. Yeah. And we missed Dwayne. you last week, by the way. So Dwayne on Facebook is is uh helping me out here that that community has that bavarian look to it i mean it looks like you're in a movie set it does i mean they're all all the the businesses and the restaurants and everything they just all have that look to them and it's kind of cool but if it's a requirement that's that's bothersome that's troubling um if it's again if it's more of like an hoa or a, a business version of an hoa where there's a private entity and it's something that's, um, you know, an interest that's affecting your property rights that's been recorded uh, properly in the Register of Deeds or whatever government agency that keeps deeds and that kind of thing. So every single person who goes to look at purchasing down the road sees, oh, well, this property is subject to those kinds of restrictions with this private entity. I, I get that. That's a choice. But, um, you know, I don't. I don't think it's ever, there's no logic behind uh, a government entity thinking it can control the style or the look of something. That's just, that's just crazy. And like we talked about the type or the kind, like if you're thinking about a fence, uh, whether it's wood or chain link or PVC or whatever, um, in reality, if it's, if it's solid, if it's built to stand and it's not something that you literally just put, you know, set it on the surface of the ground and expect that it's just going to stay there when the wind blows. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't get the concept of where they think regulating the type would also be um, something that makes sense. Um, and size, again, if it's just something about, like we mentioned, a property that's on the corner and having privacy fences all the way out to the, the corner so that a person approaching that intersection has to be in the intersection before they can see oncoming traffic. That would make sense why you couldn't do that because unfortunately that's, you know, hindering the public and the public safety directly. But, you know, any other reason for size, um, style, whatever of, of these um, uh, fences or ground coverings, it just makes no sense. Um, the basics are that if you are installing a fence or you're installing ground covering on your own property, and by doing so, you're not directly negatively impacting uh, somebody else, usually the neighboring property, then so what if they don't like it? This isn't about matter of opinion. It's only facts that matter. You can't say, well, that now looks ugly, so my house is going to be worth less. That's an opinion. And quite frankly, if you're in a place like uh, Florida, houses um, are going up in value no matter what you do to them. We've seen houses that are covered in mold and basically should be condemned and they're selling for like almost a half mil. So what can I say? Um, 
Okay. Wait, Lori. So I'm not sure if Lori is saying she wants the house that looks like trash that all the neighbors don't like. I'm concerned about Lori's sense of style, but. No, it was, it was uh, this one. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I only not... want it because it's purple. <laughs> oh, 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 yes, purple. Oh. Your tiny house when you come down, I like for that purple. Um, let's see. We're experimenting. Yeah, I was trying to go back and see what we. Well, let me, okay, so let me touch real quick on the permits and inspections aspect and then jump into the questions that I think, based on my glossing over this, um, the, the questions that uh, Don't Worry, um, Be Happy on, on YouTube is asking. But let me touch on mandatory permits and inspections. So I'm not talking about building permits in general, like where you're constructing a residence or where you're removing parts of a structure, okay? Um, I'm talking about, let's take them separate. Let's take ground cover. If you have pavers, for example, or sod that you want to lay, uh, in certain parts of your property, does, does a municipality, do they have the, the right? Can a local government mandate that you apply for, pay a fee, um, and, you know, submit a request to get a permit? I don't see any justification for that because if you're doing it in a way that is going to harm, again, the end result is your use of your property harming the right of your neighbor to use their property. If the answer is no, then nothing can be done anyway. And if the answer is yes, then that leaves the homeowner with the option to bring a cause of action or to do something at that point, even if the government wants to get involved and basically handle a case like that at that point and call it a civil a civil infraction type of, uh, of a situation. But if there's no harm and the person who's supposedly harmed is not coming forward asking for something to be done, why should you have to go to the government to ask permission to use your own property when you're not to be denied your right to your property. We don't get our rights from government, remember? We have the right to use our own property inherently without seeking permission from the government first. Um, Gary on YouTube, last time I checked, the government was established to protect our rights. That's all, exactly, exactly. That is its purpose. If government is going beyond the scope of protecting our rights, then it is breaking that contract with us. It is now uh, taking powers that were not properly delegated to it. And it's no longer acting with any kind of authority whatsoever. We are the ones that have the inherent power that's if you read the 10th amendment again, it's powers that are delegated to the federal government or delegated to the state government. But ultimately anything that we don't delegate, we reserve to us, we the people. So yeah, having to have a permit to use your property in that way. Again, I'm just going to make it simple for the purposes of this conversation. We're talking about putting a fence up 
or um, inspecting, getting an inspection. Um, and that's the other, getting an inspection. Do you have to, so one thing is permits, but even if the permit, let's say there might be some justifiable reason for the permit, maybe the permit, there's no fee. Maybe with the permit, it's just so that they are, you know, you're saying I'm putting this fence up and they say, okay, well, we just want you to know, um, these are things to consider. You know, when you put your fence up, you can't change the slope of the ground so that, you know, rainwater is now disproportionately flooding your neighbor's property. Or you can't put a fence up that throws flames. Um, you're right next to an elementary school and kids are naturally gonna play anywhere in the school grounds. And so they're gonna get close to your fence and you can't have something that's physically dangerous. You know, it's something like that, right? Um, but so that might might be a legitimate uh, reason to have a permit is that you um, basically they're just by giving you the permit, all that you really need to do is say, I'm going to build a fence. And then they give you the, you know, the common sense types of ways that you might be infringing upon somebody else's uh, use of, of their own property by building your fence and to warn you against those. And then you acknowledging, OK, yep, I got that. And then, you know, maybe even say, yep, I'm not going to do that uh, uh, in the building of my fence. I'm not going to infringe upon the, the rights of anybody else to use their own property. And then they issue your permit. Uh, that makes sense, I guess. Um, but, you know, <laughs> then to require inspections, what about that right to privacy? We have a right to due process. We have a right to unreasonable searches and seizures. We have all those unenumerated rights. We certainly have a right to privacy. I mean, for crying out loud, the Democrats are screaming at the top of their lungs that the Dobbs decision was horrible because women supposedly have the right to kill unborn children because of this right to privacy. Well, I agree we have a right to privacy. I don't understand how right to privacy then extends to murder, but it certainly should apply to against un unwarranted and unnecessary government intrusion onto your physical property for the purposes of inspecting you putting up a fence. So you have a right to privacy to kill somebody according to these people, but you have no right to privacy to put up a fence. That's absurd to me. So apparently murder is okay as long as nobody sees it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, so I, I I went a little sideways on that. So um, again, due process of law, where I jumped off my slide train a little while ago. First, we need to remember that the US Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Why is that relevant in this? Well, due process I'm, I'm of gonna law- I'm gonna pause you for a minute. There's a typing error. Uh, you're citing, uh, Republican form of government, and it's actually Article Six, Clause Two, the Supreme Law of the Land. Did I? I typed over a different part. I, so I know you know better, but <laughs> I, I, I just don't people. So now people can you you know remember at least that that's the Republican form of government. There, um, we're gonna make. I didn't mean to make Lori go away, but we're gonna make oh, the words okay. really small now, so you can't really see. <laughs> But they're there we'll get, and then we i'll can get it, it corrected yeah yeah i'm gonna <laughs> fix it before we share it out but um uh good job to Lori oh my goodness yeah. you're not perfect i thought you were perfect all this time well, clearly you've never talked to my husband then because <laughs> um 
or my children. But uh, <laughs> yes, the supreme law of the land, um, Article Six of the Constitution, which I actually already said earlier, it's it's in Article Six that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. That's actually where you find the re requirements, uh, the initial requirements for taking the oath of office. Uh, and so, and no treaties, no statutes, nothing, a state constitution cannot violate something that is required by or prohibited by the U.S. Constitution. That's in Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution. I uh, was trying not to reinvent the wheel, so I was copying over another slide and changing the, the wording, but keeping formatting. And unfortunately, I did not catch that I did not change the citation to the Supreme Law of the Land. But the reason why that's so important is because in due process of law, uh, it's, you know, we often jump right into the process. Okay, so just especially as an attorney, does somebody, did they get notice and opportunity to be heard? Those are the main elements of due process. Did they get notice and opportunity to be heard? Was there an appropriate forum? Were they given the real, you know, chance to speak up on their own behalf and protect their rights? And, you know, to appeal generally in, in most cases, that's also necessary. So, um, at any rate, that is um, that's important. But we have to before we jump into all those specifics, we need to take a step back and go supreme law of the land, though. So due process, you have to look at it through the lens of what is required by the Constitution, what is prohibited by the Constitution, what powers are specifically given to the government by the Constitution. If they're not given, then that's the first problem in the due process thing. It's not just the notice and opportunity to, opportunity to be heard. You can have um, a full trial and technically have notice and opportunity to be heard on a particular issue, but if it's not done in accordance with, I mean, you can have a code compliance officer involved and then this whole tribunal about, you know, whether you violated uh, a specific code of, you know, your municipality, your local government, but if the whole regulation is unconstitutional in the first place, then that's the first thing we need to be looking at in due process of law. Um, and again, the main words there to remember, to, con to consider, to think on, to ponder, no person, right, shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And What's interesting, I wonder if I, yeah, I, oops, I capitalized life and liberty and not property. And usually I only capitalize where it's capitalized in the constitution. So I thought that's really strange that property is not capitalized, but the others are, but no, that was me, my bad. Uh, so anyway, just remember that no person, just put that into all of your contexts, go into permitting and licensing and, you know, any kind of other commerce restrictions or property restrictions, uh, anything and think no person masking or um, any any kind of mandates, no person shall be deprived life, liberty or property without due process of law, which starts with the framework of what is allowed by the Constitution. Okay, so I don't have before any you, before you go on. Uh, you were going to answer. Don't worry, be happy. I didn't know if you had that had slipped your mind. It did not. I was trying every time I pause from one to another for a second. It's because I'm 
would it be best here or um so <clears throat> i think this might actually be the um <clears throat> Yes, uh, we're, we're nearing the point where it would make sense and not confuse everyone for me to talk okay. about because the questions, at least as far as I could tell, we're not totally on point with what we we're talking about, but they're related. So um, I wanted to address them. But um, so is every single public officer and employee like a code enforcement person at a municipal office, right? A township hall. Are they really required to ensure that all of those rights are protected? I mean, think about it. If you go to any kind of city or county government agency, I, said, I think the, the, the smaller you go, like the more local you go, uh, you're going to encounter people that have this mentality, uh, but it goes all the way up, you know, to all branches and all levels of government, uh, where they're like, oh, well, that's not my job. You know, I'm not an attorney or I'm not a judge or, you know, I'm, I'm not the legislature. I didn't write the laws. Uh, so, you know, is there really a duty for every single public officer, every single public employee to, you know, be required to ensure all of the rights that we've been talking about, that they're protected? Well. The answer is yes, because each of them took or was required to take or whatever the, the wording might be, the constitutional oath of office. And we talked about it before, but this is where we have the, um, and I'm going to minimize, where did it go? Shoot. Lori, I can't see. Oh, there it is. I'm going to hide that comment. You have to find the comment first before you can hide it again. So that was the hard part. But we have um, Article 6, which is the right one that I should have had earlier for the Supreme Law of the Land. Um, Michigan Constitution, Article 11, Section 1, uh, Michigan Statutes, 15.151. Florida Statutes is the new one that I'll probably try to remember to include is 112.311. Uh, and so it's the concept that the government employees or government officials, they work for the people and they have a duty to uphold the constitution. Would it so. would it be comparable? I mean, when when you watch somebody rob a bank, it's pretty obvious they're committing a crime. But when when you're in office and you have been given knowledge of somebody infringing on another's rights, quite literally, that's a crime. Now, is it is it? Um, a misdemeanor or anything like that, maybe not, but is, would that be considered a crime because a wrong is being done an intentional wrong? Where, sorry, Lori. So, so let, let's say you build for your house, you, instead of a fence, you build a mound. And so that makes excessive runoff go to all the neighbor houses and your let let's say your uh, whoever likes you and says I think that's a great idea. Um, I'm just going to let that go. But they know you did that. They know it's affecting your neighbors. You know potential flooding. You know, um, you know, it, d depending on the rainfall or whatnot. Would would at that them knowing that they would know of. Is it technically called a crime then that you've you've done that? You've been advised what you're doing. They've been advised what you're doing and they don't react. That'd be like ignoring a crime in progress, I guess. Am no. I overthinking no. that? 
that could never be. We can never call something a crime that's not a crime. If if people have, um, you know, if there's a situation where you're causing damage to somebody else's property on purpose, um, you you know, throw a fireball in their house. Okay, for example, uh, you drive a truck through their living room. That is going to be those destruction of property examples that would be a crime in most states but just by doing something on your own property that has adverse effects to somebody else um is not usually a crime and i would say it depending on the situation and the severity of the harm you're causing other people that it shouldn't ever be a crime it should be something that's handled in a civil type of way um because you know you causing some annoying flooding to your neighbors, for example, should never be something that you could end up in jail for, you know, and that's essentially when it's, when it's a crime, you're looking at fines, you're looking at jail time, you're looking at licensing issues. Um, so at any rate, th those are things. It, it was just something that crossed my mind and I, let's make that better, the difference between the two somehow. <laughs> Yeah, so let's see, um, where would be the first place? There's a lot of comments in the discussion now, and I'm trying to figure out where the beginning one is to ask. Okay, so don't worry, be happy. We're um, jumping in before we close out You know, the episode, I wanted to bring back in your questions. What about a neighbor that stalks with excessive cameras? My neighbor has put cameras on stakes in the yard, angles at my house. So she has 360, 360 degree views of her house and her house is glass and she's on a lake. That's creepy as all get out. In fact, in Florida, <clears throat> I was actually, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> um, shoot, it's right in front of me somewhere too. There is a statute that talks about, um, I forget the wording. I, I was really, I had never heard of the word before, but any, anyway, there's essentially stalking with with video is essentially its own statute down here uh and, I, and it's in basically like in the trespassing statute um shoot that's actually i think it it's actually it, it's although it's florida i think it's applicable to what you are asking about so let me see really quick here it's literally right in front of me i just i have way too many things right in front of me is the problem um, it's usually when it hides the best when it's right in front of you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay. I'm going to find it now. They call it voyeurism. Like voyage, I guess. Voyeur voyeurism. And like a peepee tom. Yeah. So essentially, a person commits the offense of voyeurism when he or she with lewd, I can't even, lewd or indecent intent, secretly observes another person when the other person is located in, in their home, in their dwelling, their structure, their car, uh, and that the location uh, provides a reasonable expectation of privacy. And um, there's other examples here, but anyway, um, it's a crime. And then, um, then there's video voyeurism as used in this section they're talking about an imaging device like a camera or a motion picture camera 
at, at any rate, um, so there's a statute in Florida specifically about that. Um, Florida statute 810.14 and 810.145, for those of you who might be in Florida and interested in looking that up. But what you're talking about, I believe, would be something that would be covered by that. So um, as far as you know, our discussion today, um, there isn't a specific nexus other than I'm sure the conversation or the thought came up in the conversation because we're talking about your right to privacy and your right to have a privacy fence. And so if you have somebody who, you know, if you have a privacy fence so that they cannot just see you uh, and, you know, then they put up a camera uh, high up on a stake that peers over your fence so that they could see you from every angle, that's not okay. Um, so, but as far as specifics or being prepared to best answer all the specifics relating to that, I, I wouldn't, my mind frame is, is going a different direction right now. Um, but I think were were there other pieces to that question? Um, talking about flashing strobe lights. Um, okay. So this is something. So and then I'm, I'm going to pause you for a second because there was a little more detail in the next comment. Okay, so can you go back to the other, um, the other comment, though? Okay, so the question is about what, it, in our context of having a conversation about fences, and, uh, you know, should there be mun municipal or local ordinances or regulations of fences, that kind of thing? Um, what what about a situation where um you know somebody has a chain link fence or they have a privacy fence or whatever but they have a fence and at the top of it they not only have some sort of decorative lights like at some point i plan to put out you know those cafe lights so that when i look in my backyard i see that soft lighting effect and i think it'll be pretty right well we're talking about a situation where on the top of the fence these are not some sort of soft decorative light. These are flashing strobe lights that are then, as explained here, um, at a point where they're only 15 feet away from someone's, you know, full glass wall of their, you know, into their living room. And that these lights are on 24 hours a day. Is that something that should be regulated against? And I would say, I don't think that that's something that would be a specific regulation. I don't think there should be an ordinance about that because that's government trying to control our every move. And now if you think about it, if you live in the middle of nowhere and you, you have, you know, your fence that you have up is actually, you know, um, adjoining some farmland. And so you have Christmas lights up or you have the strobe lights or whatever that you keep up. Uh, and this farmland is not ever, I mean, it's never been an issue for the farmer running the tractor or anything like that. Nobody cares. Nobody sees this, this lighting that you have. Why should there be some sort of ordinance? Now, if you're near an intersection and those strobe lights are causing, or, you know, those, those flashing lights are bright and they're causing distraction at intersection and it's causing accidents. Well, that's a reason why you shouldn't have that. Um, but it's not so much about that it's on a fence. You get what I'm saying? So there's, um, there would be uh, perhaps a law 
or a, a local regulation against distracting, um, uh, using some sort of device that distracts drivers in that sense, um, or you know something like that. If you're putting somebody else's life at risk in that way, um, but yeah, if you have a property where, you know, properties are allowed to be smaller, closer together. I mean, in when I, my house in St. Paul, when, when I reached out, I could reach out the, the window, I could touch the other house while standing in my house because the houses were 18 inches apart and built in the 1800s. At least ours was. I don't know about the next door house. So, I mean, could you imagine if they had anything that was bright strobing, whatever, right? That'd be insane. Luckily, there were only two windows that looked onto that side of the house. But uh, which you wonder, why would there be windows on that side of the house when you have another house you're just staring at 18 inches away? But um, at any rate, uh, so it's just you have to think about common sense and the context of things. But you don't want to over-regulate because the more you regulate, the more government's trying to control and the more they screw things up. So they have to fix that by regulating some more. So should there be some sort of private cause of action? Yes, there should be. Um, now, let me back up and say, if you're asking, is there um, currently some way that somebody could um, pursue a claim uh, against a neighbor that's doing that? Yeah, I think there's many different causes of action that you'd want to think about exploring, uh, given all the appropriate facts there um, for the cameras and for the, the strobe lights, for sure. Uh, just not in the context of should there be a municipal ordinance about something like that. Um, I think I answered all of those. Um, was there anything else that I missed? I know there's a lot of comments back and forth. I, but. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. All right. So is there anything else? Okay. Lori will let me know if there's anything else from the comments or questions or whatever uh, from viewers that we need to address. Um, I appreciate the discussion for sure. Um, oh, there was a question or not a question, a comment about, I think this is probably in reference to my discussion about the historic, um, historic districts or that you can't you know, build something with a new whatever, um, that it has to be a certain motif, basically a certain style, uh, all the buildings in that, in that district or whatnot. And uh, the comment was that the people of that historic town probably voted for that. And my, my thought is that, you know, we don't have, we have a constitutional republic for a reason. So if by majority vote, somebody votes to take away the rights of somebody else to use their property as they see fit, that's not okay. So, you know, it's something that if it's a private organization and you're buying into that, you're obtaining your property with that uh, regulation or that stipulation already existing, that makes sense, right? If there's, you know, a business version of an HOA, which I can't think of what it would be, but anyway, like a, a business association, um, then that makes sense. But to have any kind of government telling you what your house can look like when the look is not harming anybody, that's the concern. That's my concern. Um, 
Okay, so there, man, there would be, there's a lot in there and I can't quite read it all in yeah. a amount of time, but hopefully I didn't miss anything that we need to I, What oh. about um, kind of so going over on? What are your thoughts on city commissioners posting pictures? By the way, just for what it's worth, in the Mich in Michigan, city um, board members are called city council members, and county board members are called county commissioners, even though it's not actually worded that way in the state constitution. If you go to Florida, the Florida constitution actually refers to county board members as county commissioners. And then city council members are city council, but for whatever reason, that didn't actually, that's not how people refer to it. So you're referred to um, a, a city board member as a city commissioner and county is county council member. Backwards from Michigan, even though the constitution actually matches what Michigan does. So just keep that in mind that um, our friend here, the Liberty Cause is not, uh, mistyping something that's actually what it's called in florida but what are your thoughts on city commissioners posting pictures on um of people's homes that she doesn't like on facebook to shame those people that's absolutely not okay i mean if you have a right to privacy uh against any kind of intrusion and you know for whatever reason if somebody um i mean no no place is perfect but there's just no no inherent right of anybody who works in the government to broadcast anything about a house, even if it's a, a good thing. So let's say she took a picture of your house and she put it on Facebook and said, oh, my gosh, I think this is the most beautiful house ever. I want everybody in our city to decorate their houses or paint their houses or whatever in this way. Let's put up this trim, let's do whatever. This is beautiful. We should all try to look more like this house right here. That way, I mean, it, it, there's still a right to privacy that they don't have the right to share that. So um, at any rate, um, when it's a private entity or a private person, wholly in their private uh, you know, realm and they're taking pictures of you know your home or you know your property around your home and putting those on on the internet on social media it's a little bit different conversation that i it's too long to start now uh in the hour but uh that has happened to me uh it is currently happening i had a neighbor say that she had taken a picture of something around my house and was sharing it on social media asking people well, what do you think i think i've never seen somebody do this what do you think and it struck me like why would you do that don't i have a right to privacy but i don't know that it really arises to um i'm not sure that it arises to uh an infringement more than you know certainly an irritation certainly an annoyance um I'm not comfortable with that, but I don't know that it arises to something that's actionable, you know, something that could be done something. So, and I would think there'd be at least a difference in the sense that if you're, you're in a governmental role, you're, I hate the word authority, um, but you're, you're specifically representing the business of the people. And so by doing that, you're almost, um, potentially confusing people as to 
what's right or wrong. And if somebody that knows you are on that board and they're like, Oh, so I have to change for my property now. Like you were saying that, like, I, I like this, let's all do this. So you have a, a specific um, responsibility to the people when you're in that role to, to represent yourself and, and, and the, the people in a, I guess, I hope I'm making sense. <laughs> right, right. So that makes sense. But before we forget, let's come back to our true or false question of the week. True or false, local governments can make whatever ordinances for fences and ground coverings they choose, including requiring permits with fees and inspections prior to allowing homeowners to install their fencing or ground covering. Is that true or false? I'm hoping that uh, those of you watching now or at any point between um, now and um, 10 p.m. tonight, jump on our social media platforms or go to our website or go to YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, any of those where we have the poll available and that you answer the question, true or false, even though you're about to hear the answer. Anyway, the answer, of course, is false. Local governments may not enforce fence and ground covering ordinances, including permits with fees and inspections, unless the ordinance is required to stop a homeowner from impairing the right of another homeowner to use his or her own property. It's as simple as that. If you would like more information, I would encourage you to check back tomorrow for our Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge. Uh, it's going to be related, but not necessarily right on point to fences. Um, and uh, I would encourage you to check back for our Constitution segment recap, which might be a video, it might be a corrected version of the slideshow, you never know. Uh, and our Friday Freedom Fighting Tools as well. It um, We might actually uh reshare the the slides sometimes i do that if there's a lot of citations or things in there that would be helpful to for you to have as a resource in addition to at least a couple of other resources um, so please make sure to check each one of those of course we have our restore freedom goodie of the week and for those of you who did not see or hear our restore freedom goodie of the week uh, being broadcast this last uh weekend on saturday it was our um three by 24 inch car magnets, or they can go on any magnetic surface, but it's pretty simple. It just says restore freedom and it has a QR code. It says more freedom, less government. And it allows people to scan the QR code with their phone when they're walking by or in a car behind you. And it'll take them right to a shortened version of our website so they can get a quick glance at all the different resources and be able to take things from there. So it would help us greatly if you would uh, purchase one of those, which we sell just at cost, which have, unfortunately we've had to um, bring up to, I think it's $16.99 just to cover the increased costs of mailing, but uh, they are still fairly cheap in, in the world of uh, car decorations or whatnot. So if you wanna support us in that way, that would be greatly appreciated. And uh, of course, if you are stumbling across our channel on the platform you're on right now, or perhaps uh, you are um, 
planning on exploring a different social media platform later, I would ask you to find us on there. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. And if it's like YouTube, hit that notifications button as well so you get notified every time that we go live and do a video. But do remember, even if you're on a social media platform that does not do notifications, uh, we do have these shows live every noon, um, every Tuesday at noon, and that's Eastern Standard Time, of course. And with that being said, Lori, I can't think of anything. Am I forgetting anything today? I can't think of anything either. We'll probably remember after we end the broadcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, so if it's super important, I guess we'll do a post. But, uh, oh, for those of you wondering how the hearing went last week, we oh, uh, <laughs> totally forgot to share about that. I was actually going to do today's episode about that. And then this other stuff happened that I needed to uh, focus my mind on. I said, I guess that's what I need to do the episode on is, is this ordinance issue. So um, the judge decided to totally, literally totally ignore every single law court rule, you know, statute, constitutional provision, rule of ethics, whatever, and uh, shut down free speech, shut down freedom of the press, shut down everything, and claim that I'm not allowed to share the video. But uh, I will be doing a video soon about what happens if you have a judge issue an order that's clearly unconstitutional like that, what happens? What can you really do about it? And you have options. Um, I'm not choosing to do anything about that at this exact moment because I'm looking at my bigger picture. And so you'll hear more from me about that um, soon enough. But at any rate, <laughs> um, no, don't worry, be happy. I do not want to swap neighbors. Uh, sorry about that. But uh, all right, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, I'm constitutional attorney Catherine Henry, although I will now try to refer to myself as Constitutional Catherine so that it makes much more sense when I then introduce uh, Liberty Lori. And we thank you for joining us and have an absolutely wonderful afternoon.